Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Show, the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions. And now, the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio. Here's your host, Patricia Raskin. Hi, everyone, and welcome. Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show right here on voiceamerica.com, America's Voice. Um, We're in our, I think, 23rd year here on Voice America, and this is the program that shows you how to turn your obstacles into opportunities, your problems into solutions, and really make your dreams come true. A great guest on today. Today, we're talking about memory. We're talking about memory, memory loss. um, How do we work with our memory to improve it and strengthen it? And my guest is Rena Yudkowsky, and she is from Israel. She is a geriatric social worker with 20 years of experience and more. She's a memory coach who teaches online memory improvement courses. She also uh, is a one-to-one memory coach for International Anti-Aging Clinic. She does international lectures on aging topics, and she's so passionate about helping those 50 plus to age more healthfully. And she's a mother of four, um, including twins. She does dancing. And she also developed an Alzheimer's unit to an assisted living facility in Maryland and now is the director at a senior enrichment program in Israel. Welcome, Rena. Thank you so much, Patricia. What a pleasure to be on with you. (laughs) Yeah, I'm so excited to have you on. So let's talk about memory. I mean, so many people are worried about it. And before I even ask you how you got into it, I think there are statistics that I think that we can refute. We hear things like, well, when you're over 85, you have 50% chance of having dementia. And to me, that's kind of, um, it's a problem because it implants in our brain that that's what's going to happen. So what do you think? Yeah, I think that there's a lot of really empowering and positive research today that shows that there is so much you can do to improve your memory, preserve your memory, and stay sharp for a very long time. So, um, you know, there's so much about lifestyle factors, and we'll talk about it later. But just just know that you don't have to believe that memory loss is inevitable. It is not inevitable. Even if you have the genes for it, we can buffer them and fight them with really, really healthy lifestyles. Wonderful. So how did you get into this field. Okay, yeah, thanks for asking. So um, it's interesting, when I was a teenager and all my friends went to camp, I went to the nursing home to volunteer. And I discovered that I absolutely loved working with seniors. Now in the nursing homes 25 years ago, there were quite elderly people there, right? You know, and I loved it, I loved it. And then when I had to choose a career, the only interest I had was geriatrics. So I went for a degree in geriatric social work. So I have an MSW in social work, specialized in what was called clinical aging at the time. So, and then I worked as the head of an Alzheimer's unit in an assisted living facility in America. And after that, I moved to Israel. And I have done a lot of interesting things in the field here in Israel, including um, developing a snoozlin room, which is a beautiful multi-sensory approach for calming people with dementia. Hmm. Um, I've done training caregivers who work with seniors, all sorts of interesting things. And then I got into memory. I was really, really fascinated. I mean, all this time while I was working with people with dementia, I was fascinated by memory. I took a course in Hebrew from a cognitive psychologist all about memory. 
And then I was working for um, Malabev, which is, uh, they have senior clubs all over. And some of them, you know, are for people with memory loss. And I decided, they asked me to give over like an hour lecture in English to their volunteers. And that's why I started lecturing about memory. And the more I lectured and the more I learned and the more I read, the more fascinated I was by it. And now, you know, 20, I'm in Israel 24 years. So 24 years, there's a lot more research. And there's a, we understand a lot more today about how the memory works, mm. how brain works, about brain health and brain fitness and cognitive fitness, whatever words you want to use. We know so much more today. And it's very exciting, actually, the research. Yeah. And let me ask you this. You know, the brain is really a muscle. So yeah. it's like exercising your body. We go to the gym, we strengthen our muscles. Yeah. So when we're doing these brain activities or exercises, we're strengthening our brain because the brain can continue to grow in that sense, correct? Absolutely. It's called neuroplasticity and neurogenesis, right? right? Neurogenesis right. means we can create new brain cells. So yes, as we age, some brain cells die off, but we can do activities and exercises, both physical and cognitive, that grow new brain cells. And um, for example, physical exercise, physical exercise is one of the best things you could do to grow your brain. So whether it's walking or jogging or biking or swimming, mm -hmm. that grows new brain cells, as mm -hmm. well as cognitive exercises, which right. we can talk about some more. And it well. does release the serotonin in the brain, which are those positive endorphins. Yeah. 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 And there was some research. I had done a series on positive aging. I interviewed a research scientist from Harvard mm -hmm. who was talking about the science behind exercise and the brain. Mm -hmm. And now there are clinical studies that really show that. They started with the rats in the lab. And now they're, they're saying what a difference it makes. Absolutely. Um, when we exercise, it creates BDNF, which is a protein, brain-derived neurotrophic factor. It's the protein in our brain that grows new brain cells. And they see that when we exercise, the BDNF goes up. When we eat sugar, it goes down. Stress um, lowers our BDNF levels. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of research that we know now about what's going on in the brain to grow new brain cells or destroy brain cells. I have a question, because for many of us, and people with good memories too, mm -hmm. sometimes we forget names. And that's I think that's common. But, you know, we'll see somebody, and it happens to me a lot, I say, oh, I met that. I can, I can remember the conversation. I can remember everything. I can't remember the name. Yep. So names, remembering names is the thing that brings most people to my memory courses. Because <laughs> <laughs> names is the thing that like, oh my gosh, I, I, I really want to remember the name. I need to remember the name. It's a, the best, it's the number one business networking skill, but why can't I remember that name? So Patricia, you are not the only one that it's important to. Uh, yeah, that's what most people join a memory course for. So first, there's two things I want to say about names. One is, um, if in order to recall it when you want, you got to encode it properly. Encoding is like, imagine you have a file cabinet and if you put the piece of paper in the right file, you'll be able to find it when you want it, right? So that's with new names. You meet a new person, I can teach you to encode it properly so then you can recall it when you want it. In give an of, example of that, Rena. Yeah, I'll give an example of that. Um, so the first thing that we do with names is you got to hear it. Because if I say my name is... Did you hear that? No, because I mumbled it, right? So if you didn't hear my name, you can't remember it. And at the end of the conversation, you're going to say to me, what's your name again? I forgot. You didn't forget my name. You never encoded it properly because you didn't mm. hear it. That's number one. Number two, if you were distracted, let's say we met at, in a mall or in a place where there's a lot of people around us and your phone was ringing and my phone was ringing and there's people walking all around us, we're distracted. So mm -hmm. when I say my name, we need Kuski, 
you might have thought you heard it. You might have thought it went in, but guess what? It didn't because you might have been talking on your phone or looking at your WhatsApp or even looking at the person walking by. So we get very distracted. We live in a very distracted world. So we thought it, it got encoded, but it didn't. So which means we have to pay a lot more attention to what we're doing. This is one of my pet peeves is talking about focus because people blame their memory when it's really just focus and attention. And I have such good techniques for that. For that, Rena, do you think that when you meet someone and if I say, hi, I'm Patricia Raskin and you say, hi, I'm Rena Yudkowsky, right? Should I be repeating your name? Yes, that is one of the first techniques before I go into any fancy associations or anything. The very first thing is make sure you hear it and repeat it back to them a few times, not just once. So the conversation would be, hi, Patricia, it's so nice to meet you. Where are you from? And you'll tell me where you're from. And I'll say, oh, Patricia, you're from Rhode Island. Um, it's so nice to, you know, and Patricia, where did you go on vacation? So I just said your name three times. And then when we when we finish our conversation, I'm going to say, Patricia, it was so nice talking to you. So Got I just it. said your name four times. Guess what? When I think, what's your name? I'm going to remember hearing myself say it mm-hmm. because you're using your senses. And that's one of the, um, I'll get to that when we talk about techniques. But yes, repeating it back to the person is the first step in remembering it. And then we go into more, I teach more fancier techniques, not hard, just it takes a little practice and time where you can remember using association and visual images and all that stuff. But if you want to just start with the basics is make sure you hear it. And repeat the name back to them a few times. Yeah, makes so much sense. I mean, I just came up with that as you were saying, you need to encode it. Yeah, yeah. 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 Very interesting because I just came back from a trip, actually a cruise. And the crew was amazing that way. I mean, there were not, there weren't thousands of people. There were a couple hundred people, but they remembered the names all the time. Wow. That's they remembered the names. It really was. It was. And it really made a difference. Yeah. Made a difference. So, so tell us some more techniques now about memory. You can certainly with names or any other techniques. Okay. So just with names, I want to add the idea that if you care to remember the name, you already have an advantage. Some people say, um, I don't really care to remember anyone's names. It doesn't matter to me. Fine. If you feel that way, you're not going to remember um, anyone's names. So I really care that I'm a social worker. I really like to know people's names. I know how um, how people love to hear the sound of their own names. And our name is our identity. So we like when people call us by our name. So I can make you feel like a million dollars by remembering your name. Yes. So I need to care, though. It needs to make, um, I need to set the intention to remember, which also means that you can't walk around saying, I'm really bad at names. I'll never remember your name. Right. Because if I just- say that. Then I'm what's going to happen? Right. It's giving you an excuse or giving myself it's an, an excuse, excuse. And it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Um, and if you don't believe you can remember my name, then you will not remember my name. But if I can, uh, if I can convince you that you can absolutely remember my name and the name of 20 new people or 30 new people, then you can. Now, will it take time and practice? Yes, everything takes time and practice. But it's not hard. We just need to give it the intention and attention that it needs to remember the names. So uh, it's about not saying to yourself, I can't do it, right? Whether you believe you can or you believe you can't, you are right. So if you say, I cannot remember names, I'm really bad at names, then what is the chance of remembering the name of the next person you meet? Very Mm -hmm. small. But if you have the attitude of, "I I can do this, of course I can do this, and you have the tools that I teach, then it's not difficult anymore. Mm -hmm. 
You know, another question I have a little off the subject is people who have dementia, Mm -hmm. many times they will remember the long-term situations, the old friends, the music they heard as a kid. Um, So talk about that. Okay. That has to do with what part of the brain is damaged by what type of dementia they have, right? There are different types of dementias. Alzheimer's is the most common and they affect different parts of the brain. So if the part of the brain of short-term memory is affected, which usually it is, then they can't remember what they ate for breakfast. But the part of the brain that's um, in charge of long-term memory, they could tell you they could tell you what movie they watched 75 years ago yes. and, and the details of that movie, but they can't tell you what they ate for breakfast. It mm-hmm. has to do with what part of the brain is, is damaged or is mm. working still. Can, can that other part of the brain that's damaged, can that be helped? So it depends what it, the cause of damage is, meaning we believe a lot in neurogenesis and neuroplasticity, for example, with TBI, which is traumatic brain injury and stroke, right? We do so much rehab these days because we believe that so much can be regenerated. But with dementia, um, there is the belief that you can't, it's hard to know. It's the parts of the brain that it's a, it's a degenerative disease. So we can't necessarily um, regenerate parts, but we can live a healthy lifestyle that will preserve and maintain what's there. So for example, we don't say, oh, he's 85 years old and has dementia, so don't exercise. We say at any age and at any stage, I don't care if it's late, you know, late stage dementia, we st- if a person can still exercise, they absolutely should because we believe that that exercise will help them maintain what they have and may slow the process down. There's been a lot of research on things that slow the process down so people can still live a quality of life. Yeah, I have to share this. I saw this video. You might have seen it. It was probably a year or two ago, but it was a video of a gentleman with Parkinson's disease, and he was with his nurse, and she started standing with him and and moving around, and he would shuffle. She put on music, mm-hmm. and he was able to dance and glide yeah. around the floor. It was remarkable to watch, yeah. Rena. Yep, yep, yep. That's it. People... Um, you know, we no longer believe that you have to sit at home and deteriorate if you have dementia. There is so much good, happy, positive life you can live. You can be with people. You should be with people. You should be exercising. You should be doing cognitive exercise. You should be enjoying life. So yes, people deteriorate as they have dementia. So there's different stages and we have to work with the stages and we want people to be calm and not anxious and different different people can do different settings and different right. you know things but we want people to live um the goal is to live with whatever you capabilities you have for as long as possible right so what's the reason why that person with parkinson's could move smoothly with the music so it could be um so first of all it could be that the music stimulates part of the brain yes You know, music is very stimulating and music is very therapeutic also for dementia, for the different types of dementias. Um, There's there's a lot of research about music and dementia. It's very stimulating for the brain. Um, It's very enjoyable. Um, He might have felt like, oh, now I can move easily because I like the music. It might have been as simple as an emotional thing or Mm. maybe it stimulated a memory for him. Mm -hmm. There's there's Mm -hmm. so many reasons that that might have worked. Um, But music is one of those things that is very, very therapeutic for the brain. All right, we're going to take a break. But before we do, I want to ask you if you work with people remotely and mm-hmm. if you work with them one-on-one and people who have 
memories that are intact, but want to improve memory. Who do you work with and explain that and how we can find you? Yep. I work with anyone that wants to improve their memory. So it could be someone who had a traumatic brain injury, even if they were young. Um, It could be a person in their 50s who's just starting to worry about their memory. Maybe they're taking care of a loved one with dementia and they're worried about their own, you know, memory and they want to work on it. They want to, there's a big emphasis today on preventative. And then I work on, I work with people who are 80 and 90 who also might be having some memory loss, but they want to keep strong and sharp for as long as possible. So I do one-on-one, I have courses and I have groups. Uh, I have several different programs and, um, I'm happy to work. I can work with people all over the world. We can do everything on Zoom. I do memory assessments one-on-one. Those are confidential, obviously, memory assessments. And then based on the memory assessment, I'll suggest what I I think might be the best plan for that person. Mm. And how can people find you on the web? Okay, so the best place is my website. So it's my name, renaudkowski.com. And And that's Y-U-D-K-O-W-S-K-Y. You got it. And Rena with an E, R-E-N-A. Yeah, it's my name, RenaYudkowski.com. I have all different fun and exciting programs on there. I have, uh, you, you can get from my website, you get to my YouTube channel, which has a lot of free videos. And I'm on Facebook. I have a Facebook group called Memory Matters, Tips and Tricks for Midlifers and Seniors. And I do lots of interesting Facebook lives with people in the field and all sorts of interesting professionals that I interview in my Facebook group. Thank you so much. All right, when we come back, we're going to talk to Rena more about some techniques for, for memory. Um, and more about what we can do just on a daily basis to exercise our brains. You're listening to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show right here on voiceamerica.com, America's Voice, and we'll be right back. A little birdie told me Voice America is on Twitter. At Voice America TRN. It's time to unlock some of the best kept secrets in health, wealth, and happiness. Are you ready to live your life to the fullest and hear insider tips from today's experts? Then tune in to The Forbes Factor with celebrity TV host, keynote speaker, and inspirational icon, Forbes Riley. She's a best selling author and TV fitness expert, and you know her from QVC and HSN. Now, she brings her expert advice and guests to the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in live every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time for the Forbes Factor. We guarantee it will be the best hour of your week. Get Unchained. Tune in every Wednesday for Unchained TV on the Voice America Variety Channel. Featuring nationally recognized, best-selling author, TV journalist, and the founder of the Unchained TV free streaming network, Jane Velez Mitchell. This program takes you inside a trending lifestyle that's the next wave of human evolution. It all starts on your plate. If you want to revolutionize your life, get happier, more energized, then discover the secret. Tune in to Unchained TV, Wednesdays at 12 p.m. Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Relationships can be tricky. If you are looking for more from the relationships in your life, tune in to Kissing in a Tree with host Kelly Nichols. Kelly is a body-positive sex and relationship coach, and she wants to share her knowledge to help you become a better partner and a better person. Kissing in a Tree, Fridays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, 
the leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to The Patricia Raskin Show. If you wish to call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That number again is 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. Now, back to The Patricia Raskin Show. Hi, everyone, and we are back. You're listening to The Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show here on VoiceAmerica.com, America's Voice. And my guest today is Rena Kowski, and she is a memory coach, and she talks about how memory matters. And she's been doing this for a long time, and she's really helping people to understand how they can improve their memory, name recognition, um, and works with them one-to-one as well as in groups and has worked all over the world. Welcome back, Rena. Thank you so much. Okay. Share with us another technique for maybe something else that you feel people have challenges with. We talked about name recognition, but what are some other challenges? Yeah. So obviously just about names, there is a whole technique that I'm not sharing right now that is really fun and helpful. So if anyone wants to uh, more learn more about that, you can get in touch with me. But I want to talk about focus because I actually have a really um, a really good technique that I mentioned before to help us with focus and attention. So has this ever happened to you, Patricia? You go into the room or you open the fridge and you have no idea what you came for. Once in a while. Not often, but once in a while. Good, 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 good. So a lot, a lot of people um, have this happen to them or they can't find their phone, their credit card, their wallet, their glasses. So actually, this is an interesting statistic. The average person spends 16 minutes a day looking for lost items. 16 minutes a day. If we could use a couple easy techniques that will help us save, that's a lot of time to save that people waste looking for lost items. So here's a great technique to remember where you put things or why you came to the fridge. Use your senses. Your senses help us encode the memory. We talked before about encoding a memory properly so then we can recall it. So what helps us encode it? Giving it the proper attention. So what happens when I think I need the milk from the fridge till I get to the fridge, my mind goes in a lot of places, right? They say we have 60 to 80,000 thoughts a day. That's a lot of thoughts going through my brain. So I get to the fridge. I have no idea what I came for because I just had so many thoughts go through my brain. And if you're ADD, forget it, right? (laughs) Our brains work even faster. Um, So I get to the fridge. I have no idea what I came for. But what if I can do this? And this is just a very simple technique. We're going to use our senses and we're just going to stay focused, which is I have the thought I need the milk from the fridge. I say milk, 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 milk till I get to the fridge. What am I doing? I'm keeping myself focused on one task at a time, which is the second technique I want to talk about. And I'm using I'm saying something out loud. When we hear ourselves say something out loud, we're using our sense of auditory. It keeps us focused and I'm going to give you another case where you can use it to remember that you did something that people forget all the time. For example, locking your door. We lock our door. We walk away. We're on the phone. And 10 minutes later or an hour later, we go, did I lock my door? Oh, my gosh. And then panic sets in because we can't remember if we lock the door. So 
I want to get rid of the panic, right? We don't want, we don't need more panic or anxiety in our lives. We want to get rid of it. And we don't want our memory to be a cause of anxiety because it's very tied in together. So when I lock my door now, I'm not on the phone because I'm not multitasking. I'm single tasking now. I'm paying attention to what I'm doing. And I'm going to watch my hand turn the lock. So I'm using my, my eyes and I'm watching my hand. I'm feeling the key. So I'm using a tactile feeling. Is the key cold or hot? Um, is it big or small? Is it round or square? I'm feeling. And all of this takes two seconds to do in real life time. So I'm watching my hand turn the lock. I'm hearing the slam. I slam the door shut. I hear the slam. And I hear the click of the lock. And I say out loud, I am now locking my door. Then I walk away. I go to my car, my bus, my taxi. And I, 10 minutes or 20 minutes later, I say, oh my gosh, did I lock my door? Yes. I heard myself say out loud, I have now locked the door. That auditory memory, when you say it out loud, comes back to you right away. Or the visual image of watching your hand turn the lock or hearing it slam or feeling the key. Our senses stimulate our brains. When you use one sense to encode a memory, you have about a 10% chance of remembering it. When you use four senses, you have a 97% chance of remembering mm. it. It's very powerful. Fascinating. I want to go back and relate that to name recognition. Mm -hmm. Because another way is also to have an association, correct? Yes. Like an association with, they say the name, and I've had people say this to me, like they'll give me the name and then they'll give me a famous person's name that it's like, yep. well, yeah, it's like such and such, John Jones. And you remember that. Yep. Make yourself memorable. So there's, so I'm going to tell you right now how to remember my name, the, what we do. Um, but if you make yourself memorable to other people, they will remember your name. And then they win and you win, right? It's a it's a win-win. Um, so it's really, if you can come up with something that a way that people can remember your name, when you introduce yourself, do it because it makes you memorable. So here's how I tell people to remember my name. Okay, so first of all, Rena, R-E-N-A, is actually not a common name, right? Um, Rena is Hebrew. Do you know what it means, Patricia? I don't. Okay, so I'm going to tell you. And when I tell you, you're going to remember. It means joy. And what I do usually when people could see me, which right now we're listening to an audio, but I usually jump in the air. I jump for joy. And I do this motion that people see me jumping in the air for joy. Rena's jumping for joy. Rena is Hebrew. It means joy. Um, I could also tell a story about how when I was born, I, um, I was born, there was eight years in between my older sibling and me. And I, I actually had four older siblings. And they were crazy joyous when I was born. Like when I was born, I was the joy to the world because they had not had, my mother had not had a baby in eight, it was actually eight and a half years. There was nothing happier for them in the world than having a baby. So Rena is joy, okay? Yudkowsky is a hard one. Yudkowsky has three syllables. It's in Hebrew, we say Yudkowsky. In English, we say Yudkowsky. Um, it's a hard name to remember. So what I do is I break up the syllables. So it's Yudkowsky, right? There's three syllables. And I do something that everyone should remember each part of my name. So Yud I, is actually, if you know the Hebrew alphabet, Yud is one of the letters in the alphabet. Um, cow, you imagine a letter, the yud, yud, the letter in the Hebrew alphabet on a cow skiing down my nose. Now, if you could see me, then you would also know what I look like and you could use my face. And I have people look at my nose and I have them imagine a let, Hebrew alphabet letter, which is ridiculous, on a cow skiing down my nose. And people say, that's ridiculous. And I say, you will remember it. And I just met someone the other day who said to me, 
she heard me say this years ago and she says, Yudkowsky, Yud on a cow skiing down your nose. She remembered it. She, she recited it to me from years ago. And it's ridiculous. And you remember wow. it. The more ridiculous and funny it is, the more likely you are to remember it. Isn't that something? Really? Could you also do that around what they wore yep. or their, you know, maybe um, particular accent that they have or country they're from or particular something they wore or yep. just something that stands out to you about them? Yes. And that's what you do when you meet someone. There are so many features um, that you can look at. Um, I'd like to tell people to look at the features on the face just because that doesn't change. Like if you do it with a necklace or the color shirt they're wearing, the next time you see them, they might not be wearing that color shirt or that necklace. If you encode the the cue, like the association really well, it will work. But it's always better to pick a feature on the face or something you know about them. Meaning, like you said, um, an accent, where they're from, an interesting fact they told you. Yes, you could associate it to that person. Um, but if you do a feature on the face, that's not something that changes. And then when you see them, that feature on the face stands out and you've connected that to their name. Except, except during COVID. How do you handle oh, it with a mask? It was really hard. I, between my eyesight and the mask and people wearing sunglasses, I, I couldn't see who any, I could not tell who anyone was from across the street. It was really bad. It was really hard. There's When half your face is covered with a mask, it's, you miss out a lot. You miss out a lot on the person. You know, you know what else I found too that's interesting is I would meet somebody and sometimes it would be a health practitioner or a doctor during that time and they would wear a mask and I would envision their face. Mm -hmm. And then when I saw them without the mask, it wasn't the same picture I had of their face. I had created a face. <laughs> that's great. That's great. Really? And it was like, oh, Jerry, that, that isn't what I saw. <laughs> so it's, um, it's, it really is interesting. Yeah, that was a challenge. It was really a challenge to meet new people and they said their name and you couldn't see half their face and maybe you couldn't even hear them so well because of the mask. Um, that was really a challenge. Um, yeah, that was more difficult. And also on Zoom, by the way, you know, because we did everything in the last few years on Zoom, um, I met some people on Zoom, and then when I met them in person, even though I am so good at this because I use the techniques, it was hard for me because when it's not a live interaction, it's not the same, first of all. And second of all, on Zoom, sometimes people look different, you know, different hairstyles, or sometimes the, the cameras are a little blurry. So um, it's not always easy. It's not always the same when you meet someone on Zoom and then you meet them in person to automatically know their name, especially if you're in a big group and there were a lot of people there. It's more challenging. Um, but I've done my, my, you name it masterclass, which is a two part masterclass. Remember names I've done it on zoom, but with small groups, I, I don't take too many people in because it's too many people. It's going to be harder to do the interactive part because it's very interactive. Rena, how do you help families who may come to you and say, my parent has dementia or my adult child has dementia? How do you handle that? How do you help them? Right. That's a good question. So we usually start by some type of memory assessment depending whether they have a diagnosis or not. Sometimes people come to me and they don't have a diagnosis yet. So depends where they are um, and what they need from me. But um, oftentimes I start with a, like a quick memory screening so that I can get a feel for where they are. And then I um, would suggest how I can work with them. Sometimes it's my group stuff that's good for them. Sometimes it's one-on-one. -on -one. 
uh, coaching, memory coaching, that's good. But I oftentimes try to encourage the families to do all the lifestyle factors that are really important to keep a person, a person's brain in good shape, no matter what's going on. Um, and support, you know, sometimes families really need a lot of support and resources and tools. I can do that as well. Usually I like to work with the person themselves in terms of memory coaching, but I, I'm a geriatric social worker, so I can do the other pieces. I have run support groups in the past for spouses whose, um, you know, whose, whose spouse has different types of cognitive impairments. Do you help the family member to have the patience required yeah. for this? The patience and the understanding, you know, sometimes it's really hard to understand what's going on. And when someone asks you a hundred times a day, what time is it? It's like, why do they keep asking that? Like, what is wrong with them? But when you explain to someone, to a family member or a loved one, that every time they ask it to you, it is as if it is the first time in their brain. Time number one, what time is it? 10 o'clock. What time is it? 10 o'clock. Imagine that it never happened in their brain. And that's how you have to come to them. Not it's like, you just asked that, you just asked that. No, it's the very first time they ever asked it every single time. So do you keep answering the question then? Yeah. Yes. Or if you get tired of that, you can distract, you can start to talk about, oh, are you hungry? Would you like to have a snack? Oh, do you know what I just saw on, on, you know what I just read about in the newspaper or I just saw on video or you can either answer it or you can distract or validate if it's a question that's more meaningful than what time is like if it's something more like i want to go home i want to go home right in the nursing homes we we see that a lot um i want to go home so it's we always try to get at what is the underlining meaning of home what does home symbolize what are they really saying what are they really saying they're really saying i need some love i need some care i need some attention that's what home is right so mm. then you give them what they need it's 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 understanding the underlying need and i did a lot of this when i did training for um foreign workers that would come to Israel and they would work. They would be like the companions for the seniors and they were wonderful, but they didn't come over with a lot of education and training from the different places like the Philippines. So we used to do training to help them understand difficult behaviors so that when someone was got aggressive or felt threatened, or we would say, get, understand the underlying behavior. Someone's wandering. What's really going on for them. They're feeling lost. They're feeling confused. Maybe they need the bathroom. They need a snack. It's really about being a detective and understanding mm -hmm. the underlying need and behavior. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So again, we're coming up on a break. So again, tell us how people can find you and about some of the classes that you teach. Okay. So the best place to find me is my website, renayudkowski.com. The Yud on the Cow Skiing Down. So it's Y-U-D-K-O-W-S-K-Y. And Rena's with an E-R-E-N-A. So it's renayudkowski.com. You can see my different courses, one-time programs, membership. I have a membership called Remembership. It's a three-month membership that's automated. So it's really convenient. You can do it whenever you want. And uh, so the website, I also have a YouTube channel, a Facebook group. You can get to all my links from my website. And feel right. free to email me. with the, If you have personal memory questions, feel free to email me, rena at renayudkowski.com. Yeah, and also, you have different price points for different needs. So Correct. you have individual one-to-one you have groups, so yeah. you can accommodate most people's needs. Yes. Yep. Okay. All right. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk to Rena more about memory. Um, what are some of the things that you can do? Um, and how do you handle this 
because as we get older, our our things change. And so how do we handle that whole process of aging, which Rena will talk about? Let me share a little bit more about Rena that we talked about in the beginning. She is a geriatric social worker with over 20 years of experience, and she's a memory coach, and she teaches online memory improvement courses. She also works with an international anti-aging clinic. She lectures on aging topics, and she's really passionate about helping those 50 plus to age more healthfully is on a mission to empower seniors to believe in their own memory with confidence. She is the director of a development at a senior enrichment program in Israel and has been a director of Alzheimer's unit in an assisted living facility in Maryland. And she's also a trainer for dementia caregivers. So Rena comes with a lot of experience, a lot of love, a lot of caring, a lot of expertise. We're going to talk more about what are some of the things that we can be on the lookout for in terms of, is it just short term and maybe I just forgot something or could there be an issue here with my memory? You're listening to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show right here on voiceamerica.com, America's Voice, and we'll be right back. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. All who live face a time of passing. Is death the end or will souls enter an afterlife? Have you ever wondered about historical figures and what they would say if they were alive today? Psychics and authors Barry and Connie Strom will use their gift of spirit communication to answer questions and channel spirits concerning the hereafter. Tune in to Spirit Speak, exploring the afterlife with Barry and Connie Strom at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Today, our 40s sit firmly in midlife. We are starting to feel our place and have many productive years ahead. But now is the best time to plan for our future life. Listen for 45 Forward with host Ron Roel. From retirement to health and technology to caring for our parents, no topic is off the table. We don't have a roadmap to our actual future, but we can start to plan more effectively. Tune into 45 Forward, Mondays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Every conversation we have with the people in our lives is part of a relationship with them. From coworkers and bosses, to spouses, kids, and parents, to your favorite cashier at the grocery store, the path a relationship takes can have many twists and turns. The Relationship Road Trip, hosted by Dr. Don Azevedo, is here to provide a roadmap for your relationships. The Relationship Road Trip, Thursdays at 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to The Patricia Raskin Show. If you wish to call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That number again is 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. Now, back to the Patricia Raskin Show. Hello, everyone, and we are back. You're listening to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show right here on VoiceAmerica.com, America's Voice. And we are talking to a memory expert. 
Her name is Rena Yutkowski. And she is a geriatric social worker with over 20 years of experience. She's a memory coach who teaches online memory improvement coaches uh, courses. And she has been a memory coach for international anti-aging clinics and is a director of development as a senior enrichment program in Israel, has also worked many a lot in the States, is from the United States and has lived in Israel for almost 25 years and has done a lot of work in this field of memory. Welcome back, Rena. Thank you so much for having me. All right, let's talk about one of the things that I think is an issue, I would say for almost all of us, unless we're meditating on a mountain, and that is multitasking. So yep. how do we work with that? How do we avoid, and we're actually even taught to multitask. Yep. And I have to say that as an interviewer, something I have to do, because I have to hear you in my in my own mind, I have to come up with another question. I have to watch the timing. I, mean, I have to do that in order to be effective. Yes. Yeah, so let, this is one of my favorite topics. So yes, we were taught, you know, if we grew up in the in America, or really probably most places, we were taught that if you could do a lot of things at once, you were efficient and productive, right? And you were expected to, in many jobs, you were expected to multitask, whether you're a secretary or a teacher or what really many, many jobs you were expected to multitask. However, the research has shown, they went and they went into the workplaces and they did all this research and they found that people that multitask actually made double the amount of mistakes. And so as much as you think, oh, wow, I'm doing so much at once. I'm, you know, I have, I'm typing an email and I'm talking on the phone and I'm doing all this at once. Guess what? <laughs> In the long run, we might not press send on that email because you're trying to do something else. Or, you know, if you have a lot of windows open on your computer and you keep switching back and forth, that's what multitasking is. So what are we doing? We're, we're wasting precious fractions of seconds by going back mm. and forth in our brain trying to do too many things at once mm. it's very and we all do it because we all think we have to the problem is that it trips up our brain our brain yes. is what's called a sequential processor that means that we take in information and we process it in a sequence a sequence means one after another now very fast we we all think very fast mm -hmm. we don't mm -hmm. actually do it multitask and we don't actually do it at the same nanosecond. Mm -hmm. We do one thing after another with sequential processors. So when we try to multitask, it makes us less creative. It makes us feel stressed. We all know that feeling of trying to do too many things at once. It's, we're just stressed out. It makes us less creative. And it actually lowers our IQ temporarily by 15 points. Temporarily mm -hmm. lowers the IQ by 15 points. How do you so, work with that then? What, what do you do? I mean, should you meditate every day for 10 minutes? Should you uh, take a walk outside and just focus on the scenery? What should you do? So those are both great ideas. Meditation is really good for the brain. It's supposed to also grow new brain cells. And walking outside nature is also extremely good for the brain. Um, you know what I tell people to do is really try to do one task at a time, finish it, and then move on to the next whenever possible. Now, we all know there are times in our lives where we can't do that. There are times in our lives mm -hmm. where we have to do more than one thing mm -hmm. at a time, whether it's because you're taking care of little kids who, you know, right. need more than one thing at a time, or whether you're interviewing someone, like you said, certain tasks and jobs demand that. But what I tell people is whenever possible, do one thing at a time, because mm -hmm. your memory will be quote unquote better, which just means you will realize that you're not forgetting things because mm -hmm. you are slowing down, you are being more mindful, and you are doing one thing at a time. 
So whenever possible, try to do that. Now, and do you think doing the meditation every day, even five minutes, do you think that helps you to slow down the mind? It does help slow down the mind. It does help calm the mind and it actually is supposed to be stimulating for the mind it's that's the cool thing about meditation is they found that it's calming and stimulating at the same time and yes it does help you focus it does help you say okay right now i'm doing this one task and when i finish this i will go on to something else but right now i'm going to give this my full attention for a minute for 10 minutes for 20 minutes whatever you decide but it's not trying to go in five directions at once and then we forget that we turned on the rice to cook because I went to write an email and then my daughter called me and I got totally distracted by different things. And and then I'll say, I forgot to turn off the stove, but I didn't forget. It wasn't a memory thing. My focus got pulled in other places and I was totally distracted by many other things. Mm -hmm. So in that case, I tell people, don't even leave the kitchen. If, If possible, stay in the kitchen, set a timer so that'll bring your mind back to that task. What about lists, making lists? Yep. Um, I should show you my calendar, Patricia. Everything, everything I have to do is written down, whether it's following up with someone, whether it's a phone call, an email, obviously all the things I have to do. Um, It's very important from A, so that you remember and B, so you don't feel stressed. Like if I get it on paper, then I feel like that's it. I don't have to think about it or worry about it or hold it in my working memory. Our working memory can only hold about seven or eight items at a time. And then we go on to the next thing, right? So for me, it's a huge thing. If I write it down, I don't feel like I have to remember it anymore. And by the way, writing it down actually helps you remember it because of what I said earlier, which was you're using a sense. When you write something down, you're seeing it, you're feeling it, it's a tactile thing. It actually helps you remember it. Do you think part of the issue is just bad habits? Or is it the culture we live in that um, encourages us to do so many things at once? Do you think it's all of the above? Yeah, I do think so. I think that um, we're sort of so um, outcome-based and trying to be so productive that we feel like we can't just sit and read a book. When really sitting and reading a book is actually a very good activity on, on many levels, right? So yes, we've been indoctrinated that you have to Um, be, you know, answering every notification on your phone, whether it's Facebook or LinkedIn or, um, or WhatsApp, right? So we're very, we live in a very distracted world because of all the digital technology, which is great. But what does it do to us? It makes us feel so pulled in different directions, right? It's like, I got to check Facebook. I got to check LinkedIn. I got to check. It's like, we don't just like be, you know? Okay. So now I have a very important question for you and you're a parent, so you can address this for talking to parents and grandparents, how do we help our children and our grandchildren focus more? So first of all, be a role model, be very present with them. If you're with a kid and you are not checking your phone, now that doesn't mean they won't, but they will see you as a role model. You will see that you're present, focused, and mindful on them. What what message are you giving them? That they're important, right? Now, it's very hard to get teenagers these days off their phones, but you start by being a role model and you start by by um, having some time with, without digital technology. So if you offer to take your grandchild out to eat, you might want to say, I want to spend time with you. Can you leave your phone behind or can we turn off our phones for 10 minutes or 20 minutes or whatever? So it's I think it starts with you being a role model. 
Um, and, and practicing mindfulness yourself, you'll feel calmer and then they'll, it'll, it'll, the vibes will overflow. Any other techniques, we have a few minutes left that you'd like to share that you think would be helpful to people. Just, yes. I, I, I'm going to throw one of them out. Yeah. Just being neat and organized, mm-hmm. not just leaving things in a pile. Yep. Which yep. I have a challenge within my office work you know, in terms of laying it down, but putting it in a place where you can find it easily. Yeah, memory and organization go hand in hand. So if you always put your keys in the same place, you're never going to lose your keys. They're they're always going to be in the same place. Right. Now, some people have a hard time with this for whatever reason, putting putting their keys in the same place. Um, Another really great technique for finding things is create a mental image that will stand out. So when you put your keys down next time, Don't just drop them down and walk away. Take two seconds and create a visual image that's going to pop into your head when you think about where your keys are. So it could be a bomb blowing up. It could be a genie popping out of your keys. It could be um, a bouquet of 100 red roses. Imagine Mm. 100 red roses popping out of your keys on your coffee table when you put them down. And then an hour later or two hours later, you go, where are my keys? Oh, yeah. And that image goes pop right into your head because it's Mm. a huge bouquet of a hundred red roses. How could you not remember that? And Mm. it's on your coffee table because that's where your keys are. Mm -hmm. So mental images is a very powerful way. Now this just happened to me. I was at someone else's home and I remembered I, sometimes the keys are in my bag, but I put them in the little dish where they keep their keys. And I, as I did that, it's interesting. As I did that, I said, remember you're putting your keys in the dish. And said I, it out I loud? said, no, I said it to myself. Okay. The keys are in the dish. And I remembered. Okay, good. So I would say, say it out loud. If you say it out loud, you have a much better chance of remembering. Okay. Um, I also wouldn't put them somewhere where you don't usually put them. So if your keys are always in your pocketbook, don't put them in that dish. Because okay. it's out of your routine. You're yes. going to walk away without yes. them. But if you do do that, then either you need to say it out loud so you remember, or you create a mental image like I just said. Those are two really good ways to remember where you put your stuff. Amazing. What are your closing thoughts, Rena? What would you like to leave our listeners with today? So I would like to leave our listeners with a message that you have the power to age confidently and healthfully in terms of your memory. Your memory can be improved exponentially by just learning some new techniques, by having tools, by exercising your brain properly. There's so much we can do to improve our memory and stay sharper longer, you know, until 120, we say. And you don't have to believe that it's memory loss is inevitable. There's so much we can do. Even if you have the genetics for it, you can buffer that with healthy lifestyle factors. Social, we didn't talk about social stimulation, but social stimulation is a huge, um, is a huge factor. Friendship, Friendships. being with people. And what about food? We didn't talk and about community. We didn't either. talk about food. Um, there's antioxidants in the food we eat that help um, that help our brain function better. Just just think clearer. Brain fog. There's there are foods that we eat that cause brain fog, and there are foods that we can eat that can clear brain fog. So there's really a lot more to talk about. <laughs> Do you want to give us a couple before we go? A couple of sure. things that would be great for clearing brain fog and ones that cause brain fog. Sure. Um, so first of all, food, I'll talk about food, but also sleep. There's, there's a lot to talk Very about important. sleep. Sleep yeah. is crucial to our brain health, but yeah. in terms of food, so we want to be eating 
um, lots of different color vegetables and the green leafy vegetables that have antioxidants. So the color of the rainbow when it comes to vegetables, different minerals and different color foods, um, the omega-3 fatty acids, the you know healthy fishes, salmon. Um, we want to be eating avocado, the healthy fats and olive oil and nuts and a little bit of chocolate, the high cocoa content chocolate. Um, so like 70, 80% cocoa mm-hmm. chocolate has some good, good. benefits for us. Um, and what should we stay away from? We want to stay away from sugar. Um, and those carbs make us feel so tired and brain fog. You know, if you eat pretzels and chips and bread all day, you're just going to feel really just brain So fog. what about chicken and meat and fish and veal and lamb and... Okay, so so I it's good protein. Um, there are people that say we should be staying away from the meats um, and we should go much more on, heavy on the... Uh, pr- on the um, plant-based diet, things that grow from the ground. Um, You know, I'm hearing different things from different people about that. So, but if you're trying to eat more protein, then it's really hard to get the right amounts without eating meat and chicken, unless you eat a lot of fish. Right. Right. So again, it's, it's, it's what we know about eating healthy and certainly the antioxidants makes a difference. Yeah. It has been so great to interview you. Tell us one more time how people can find you before we close. Great. Thank you. Um, the best place is my website, renayudkowski.com, R-E-N-A-Y-U-D-K-O-W-S-K-Y.com. And from there, you can find my different programs, my email. You can get on my email list, which I didn't say before. Get on my email list and you will get a free checklist of how you know whether your um, memory loss is normal or not abnormal. Normal versus abnormal memory loss. So my website, renayudkowski.com. Yeah, that's great. Thank you so much, Rena. It was a pleasure to have you on the program. Really. Thank you so, so much. So enlightening and inspiring and educational. Learned a lot. Thank Great. you. Great. I'm so happy. <laughs> Stay on line for a minute. All right. This wraps up this edition of the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show right here on voiceamerica.com, America's Voice. Um, you can find me, Patricia, at patriciaraskin.com. And if you'd like to sign up for my monthly newsletter, certainly uh, write to me there. And if you're looking to do your own podcast, you want to get your positive message out. I've interviewed over 5,000 people in the four decades I've been doing this work. So I help people put their programs together, and I'd love to help you. So contact me, Patricia, at PatriciaRaskin.com. I'm on Facebook, Patricia Raskin, Raskin Resources. And so you can find me there. Remember, stay healthy, stay happy, get the support you need, and know you can make your dreams come true. Until next time, I'm Patricia Raskin. Bye for now. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of the Patricia Raskin Show. Be sure to join Patricia Raskin and another amazing guest next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have an outstanding week.